Greetings, everyone. Welcome to episode 161 of the Masterclass Podcast. My name is Cam Brennan, and of course, I am joined by my dear, dear friend, Mr. David Copernicus Hogue. <laughs> What's up, man? Hey. Ah, well, just, you know, I know it's not this for everybody, but happy Cinco de Mayo. Indeed, that Dave has given away the date upon which we are recording this. So raise your margaritas to the sky. Or I don't, I, I, I'm, so, I'm a total white guy right now. I actually, <laughs> I actually don't know why we celebrate Cinco de Mayo. But why do Americans no. celebrate it? Because it's because an to keep to drink alcohol. Exactly. But I'm, no, I'm saying like legitimately, like it's an actual holiday. Why do we? Why is Cinco de Mayo an actual thing? I I was looking. I my dad. Okay, true confessions of a podcast host here. My dad for Christmas got me a Chuck Norris calendar. Have I told you this yet, Dave? <laughs> I don't believe you have. <laughs> okay, so yes, my dad, in all of his relevant glory, bought me a Chuck Norris calendar about twelve years after Chuck Norris jokes were cool, and every uh-huh. day. Every single day on my calendar is a Chuck Norris joke. Nice. It is May, what? May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. Duh. There have been two jokes, two, two entire jokes that I've kept out of the entire year thus far. That's how bad most of the Chuck Norris jokes are. Do you want to hear the, the two that I've kept? Sure. The first one is, Chuck Norris eats his meat so rare, he only eats unicorn. (laughs) Which is pretty good, right? Sure. And then the other one is, Chuck Norris knows how to slam a revolving door. Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. The rest of them, hot garbage. Just (laughs) awful. Uh, But anyways, I believe my, my calendar today which was the revolving door joke, which got us from one to two, which is a huge leap, right? Said it's like the Battle of Puebla. All right, James 4, 1 through 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you wrongly, because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. This is, uh, this is an uh, interesting passage, David. Yes. I, again, this is what I love about James, the beginning of this. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Question mark. Mm-hmm. The most obvious of rhetorical questions, right? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. Let's, you covet and you cannot <laughs> obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. We will continue on later. But like this is, this is James citing human nature, right? Mm-hmm. Like the very basics of human nature. You quarrel and you fight amongst yourselves, right? Human nature. You, you do not get along. 
and he says that your passions are at war within you. So he starts internally with the individual, even mm-hmm. though he asks why you fight amongst yourselves, which is a plural, right? A group of people that is quarreling. He immediately makes the question about the individual. The fight in plural in general is actually about the fight that is internal, Mm -hmm. which much like Paul is a very, very quick way to get to something that is universal yet also individual. It is quick, it is brief, and it cuts to the chase of dude or lady. The issue is that your passions are at war within you, and those internal conflicts that you have are what's causing all of the chaos around you because every single person, and this gets back to our episode on Sonder, right? Every single person you come into contact with has an equally or more complex personal life than you do. All of the conflicts, all of the wonder, all of the issues, all of the trauma, all of the successes, all of that stuff is complicated by the fact that each individual person you ever come into contact with has those things in their life. So if we start at the basis of the problem is the passions that are at war within you, right? This gets down to the nature of sin. This is what I want to do. This is what I know is the right thing to do. And often those two things are at conflict. And that is the basis for all of the bull crap we deal with on a regular basis. I want to do this, but I know it's wrong. I'm going to do it anyways. And that really is the basis for human struggle is we know what the right thing to do is, but so often we choose to do what makes us feel better or feel right or uh, compensates for that because, well, we're rats, the nicotine well, just trying to lick and get another high. (laughs) Yes. I, yeah, I, you know, I think you're absolutely right. I think this is, the essence of, of human nature, this is the essence of why so many people are not happy, um, why we chase after things that aren't going to make us happy, even though we think we, they are. Um, you know, I've been kind of doing a, a leadership class for the last uh, few months, and one of the last uh, most recent classes that that we met, um, the instructor talked about cognitive, uh, dis, cognitive, I'm not gonna be able to say it. Cognitive dissonant, dis, (laughs) dissonance. Thank you. Dissonance. Yes. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where like, when he mentioned that term, I was, I was like, yeah, I remember talking about that, like in freshman psychology. And, uh, so, you know, I Googled it and kind of read on it a little bit and it just, you know, in essence, it, it talks about the fact that we do things that we know we shouldn't do. You know, I want to be skinny. I want to be fit. And what do I do? I eat ice cream and sit on the couch and watch Netflix when I know mm-hmm. that eating healthy and running would give me what I want. But yet I consistently, I consistently choose these things that I know are not going to give me the results that I want Yep, And it makes me unhappy and I'm frustrated because, you know, I do these things. And so, uh, it just was a, it was just a very interesting 
Um, like I said, I hadn't heard that term, I don't think, in many, many years and really thought about it and uh, was just surprised at how applicable it is. And I don't think this is, I don't think this is unique to anybody. I think, yeah, is that right? Unique to anybody? Because I think it's something that we all do. I think there's an element of we all do things that we know are not going to achieve the results that we want. And yet somehow we're, we're confused by the fact that that happens. Well, I think that we think that we're special. Well, that is probably true too. Consequences apply to bad people or, you know, wh whatever it may be. And, and like, this is my, you know, me speaking personally about myself, like, you know, I, I, to be frank, like to think that I live in a world without consequences, which is, I think, possibly the definition of insanity. Like, you know, you hear the phrase, oh, keep doing the same thing and hoping for a different result, which has become like the pop culture definition because of, you know, <laughs> yes. what's that movie, Con Air. And like, I was legit watching professional wrestling, which I think is maybe another definition of insanity. Um, and even on professional wrestling, they, they quoted that, oh, you, same, you know, thing with different results. It means you're insane. And I just, I think that this concept of like, that we live our lives where we think we're free of consequences where I can, I can eat the ice cream. I can binge the Netflix. I can pound that entire bag of potato chips. I can drink excessively. You know, I can treat people like garbage, but when I wake up tomorrow, everything's going to be okay. Well, well, no, if you do all those things, people are not going to respect you. You're going to be overweight. Your heart's going to be in trouble and your body's not going to know how to handle everyday life. And that's just, you know, something that like I have been wrestling with is this concept of like, you know, you grow up as a kid and you don't really understand how the world works or what reality is. Right. And mm -hmm. You know, in my instance, my parents did a really, really good job of trying to shelter me from reality as a kid, which I understand. You want to protect your kid. But, like, there was always money in the bank. There was always food on the table. There was always clothes in the closet. There was a lot of stuff that I wanted that I didn't have, right? But, like, because of the way I grew up, consequences weren't really a thing in like the, uh, the long-term sense. If I got bad grades, my parents were pissed. They're like, you should be a straight-A student. And I was like, bah, school's terrible. I don't want to get good grades. Ah. And then like a month later, everything was fine, right? Mm-hmm. But like, uh, like I'll, I'll level with everyone watching right now because we haven't talked about it on the show yet, and I'm finally at a place where I feel like I can, I can be honest. It is May 5th. My wife moved out of the house in November. That's a consequence. We have been married for over 10 and a half years, and we are on the brink of divorce right now. And it's something that I don't want, and it's something that she wants. And those, those positions are the result of consequences of actions that both of us have taken over the last 10 and a half years. And so to think that, that actions are not, or that consequences are not real is to live in anything but reality. 
And so right now I'm faced with the reality of consequences of decisions that my wife and I have made over the last 10 and a half years. And so like to read this, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Yes, I am living proof, especially in the relationship with my wife right now, that the passions that are at war within me and within her are the cause of all of the fights between us and all the things that have led us to this point. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. We've never murdered. We haven't done that one. And we joked about this before, that that's worse than other sins. But in this passage, mm-hmm. again, it's being brought to the forefront. It's really not. It is, it is a sin, and sin, period, is not good. And we're at the point where our fighting and quarreling has, has gotten us to the point where we haven't lived together for six months. Mm-hmm. And if that causes you to stop listening to the show, fine. I'm just being honest with where I'm at in my life. And one of the things that I've realized is it doesn't matter who's right. It doesn't matter which one of us was righteous in our anger and which one of us was, you know, what, whatever. I, I think the point where I'm at is like, I am becoming more aware of the garbage inside of me that has prevented me from acknowledging consequences, accepting consequences, and thinking that everything is just going to be okay because that's the way life works out. And that is not the case. Consequences are real. My actions have consequences, or my inactions have consequences, right? Mm-hmm. And stuff just doesn't work out. That's just it. And, and so here I am, a 33-year-old, with a three-year-old, with a wife who moved out six months ago, with a podcast about the Bible. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that stuff doesn't jive. And, and, and here we are presented with this passage, and it's obvious to me. My passions are at war within me. I desire and I do not have, so I murder. I covet and I cannot contain, so I fight and quarrel. I do not have because I do not ask. And when I do ask and don't receive, it's because I ask wrongly to spend it on my passion. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And that's a whole nother thing to get into. But I, I guess the point for me with this passage is like, his consequences are real, and my issues are real, and my sin is real, and all of that makes what Jesus did on the cross even more real to me. Because if he can, if he can forgive all of the crap in my life, if he can forgive all of the issues, if he can forgive all of the ego, if he can forgive all of the pride, if he can forgive all of the, the stuff that I've done or thought to do, then God's grace really is abundant. It really does overflow. It really does cover all things. And that's where I'm at with this, Dave. Holy Moses, I did not expect to (laughs) dump all of that on this episode. But like, I just, I feel 
I feel like it's 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 dumb to have a podcast and not talk about stuff that's actually happening, mm-hmm. especially when we're talking about the Bible. So one of the thoughts that I had while you were talking is is actually a quote from Ernest Hemingway in A Farewell to Arms. And the quote is, the world breaks everyone. And afterward, many are strong at the broken places. But those that will not break, it kills. It kills the very good and the very gentle and the very brave impartially. If you are none of these, you can be sure it will kill you too. But there will be no special hurry. And, you know, I... I think, you know, you and I are similar in the fact that we are are white men that grew up in America in fairly affluent communities. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I know there's a lot of whatever you want to say out there about white guilt and white privilege and all that kind of stuff. I'm not, I don't want to go into that other than I do think some people have it much easier in life than others. And I would put myself in a category of my, I have had an easy life. I've like, much like you were talking about growing up, I didn't question a lot of, you know, those kinds of needs being met and expected success and expected success to always occur. And some point in my journey, uh, there is just that realization of, the fact that the world breaks everyone. And again, that's okay. Uh, because, like you said, what is why why are we here? You know, why are you and I friends? Why do we know each other? It, it really boils down to because we believe that Jesus is who he said he was. He, he is who he says he is. Uh, we believe in the Bible. We believe that God is an active uh, God. And so if we are trying to, well, I'm going to, basically the verse in James says, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And I think about in my own life, just time and time again, how often I've tried to make the world my friend. And I've done that in many, many, many different ways. Um, and it just seems like whatever I'm experiencing now is just the latest way where I'm allowing the world to be my friend or I'm trying to make the world my friend. And um, this is such an odd thing to say, but I'm grateful for the brokenness. I'm grateful that the world breaks me because it's in those moments where I'm broken and the world fails me and the world does not live up to my expectations. And you know, the things that I desire, I don't have at least for almost 50 years, or I guess 40 years, depending on how you look at it. But I feel like I'm still turning to him when the world breaks me. And so, um, I know it, you know, last several months have not been easy for you and you have not probably, I'm guessing, I'm making some assumptions about you. Ultimately, you're choosing God in the long term. Maybe not every day, not every minute, maybe not every hour, but 
I see you being dependent on God. I see you as, you know, he is your anchor. He's your rock. And, um, you know, uh, as you've said before, James just kind of gets to the point. And I don't even know if I'm making sense or not. But ultimately, the world is going to break us. It's going to break all of us. And the only person, the only thing that we can turn to, the only thing that is worthy of us turning to is God. And for as many times as we fall and as many times as we stumble and as many times as we're at a place where we're defeated and we want to give up, God is there for us and he meets us exactly where we're at and right where we're at. So as I say that, Cam, I see you doing that. And I know you may not always feel that way, but in our brief times where we're together, um, I do know that you haven't forgotten who God is and what he means to you in your life. And uh, I think that's the desire of both of us as we sit in front of these microphones is we just want to point people towards God. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that. We want to point people towards God. Yep. And that's, and I I think for me, that's where I, I lean upon the incredible lineage of God's word of God using far from perfect, majorly flawed <laughs> yes. individu- Amen. individuals Amen. to do so because like I got nothing, man. I am so average on so many measurements. <laughs> you know, height, weight, <laughs> athletic ability, humor, you know, handsomeness, all just so average on, on so many of those things. And it's like why, you know, God is able to use anyone. And if and if God can use Dave or I, not to loop you in with my averageness, sir, you are wonderful, but <laughs> wonderfully average. <laughs> but like, if 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 God could use us to communicate His truth to somebody, if God could use Moses or Abraham, like we talked about beforehand, or Rahab or David, or just any of these people, like Paul, like oh, Paul was exemplary, right? But for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Yeah. You know, Paul was the the rich kid who happened to be, you know, a jock and also an intellect. And for all the wrong reasons, was someone important and then finally realized it. And then you've got people like, you know, Moses who were born into it but couldn't talk. And Abraham who was, you know, at his wife's behest sleeping with her best friend because God promised babies and it wasn't happening. And everyone in between. and just like we're somewhere in between and all all of that to say um i'm just i'm grateful for the opportunity to have a show where we can discuss the bible and when the bible convicts us that we can be open and honest about it and the bible gets us psyched we can be excited about it and and everything in between that right being super stoked and excited and super convicted and sad and um just real with the grief of, of life. And this is a passage that I think uh, speaks to me about that, right? This is, this is the issue. And, and the Bible calls it out and at the same time encouraging mm-hmm. that it, yes, you're like, you're a sinner and yes, you were broken. And yes. All of these things. And yet, while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. 
Amen. Yet, when we were still sinners, <laughs> Christ died for the ungodly, that we would be known by God with the righteousness of Christ, that we would be brought into his family, that all would be reconciled and all would be well, so that we would stand before God in the judgment and God would see the righteousness of Christ and would be brought into his family for eternity so that we could worship him. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. Yep. Amen. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to stop for today. I would agree. Thank you guys and girls so much for listening. Um, man, what an episode. <laughs> uh, show notes can be found in your podcast uh, app on your phone or your tablet or computer, or you can go to supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 161 for the links to the stuff that we talked about. And um, again, we're just super grateful um, for your time and your attention and your willingness to listen to the show. And if you want to get in touch and contribute to the show, there are links in the show notes to get in contact with us to do so as well so that's it for this episode and of course we will be back at some point in the near near future with our next one but until then just want to say be good god bless stay healthy and um we will talk to you soon bye bye